welcome to HealthCast, the heartbeat of health IT. I'm your host, Faith Ryan. With encouraging news from both Pfizer and Moderna regarding the effectiveness of their COVID-19 vaccine candidates, the U.S. is still preparing for how to best supply and distribute them to the public. Within the Department of Health and Human Services, there is an office that's been pushing innovative tech to provide critical medical supplies and strengthen the U.S. supply chain during the pandemic. In this episode, I'm joined by Joe Hamill, the Strategic Innovation and Emerging Technology Manager at the HHS Office of the Assistant Secretary for Preparedness and Response to learn more about what's being done. So, Joe, welcome to the show. Hey, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, great having you today. You must be a really busy guy. It has been a year, my friend. You know, with ASBR leading the nation's medical and public health preparedness for public health emergencies such as COVID-19. Could you actually just tell us a little bit about your current position within ASPR and how it fits into this response effort? Sure. So you, uh, I'm not going to repeat my lengthy title, but uh, <laughs> my team has been really instrumental in pushing the envelope on innovation and the ongoing fight against COVID-19. And earlier this month, I got tapped to head up the uh, new ASPR Program Executive Office for Industry and Innovation. We're calling it uh, PEO AI Squared to manage and coordinate the overarching innovation and industrial-based expansion programs that have been associated with not just the COVID response, but where ASPR is looking towards the future for our operations, our strategic national stockpile, and our development of countermeasures. And really, you know, we're working across the interagency with our partners in the Department of Defense and others to bolster the U.S. industrial base for producing pharmaceuticals that are in shortage, medical supplies, and personal protective equipment that are in shortage, and then most importantly, to reduce America's reliance on foreign suppliers and manufacturers of these critical items. Could we go into a little bit more detail about ASPR's overall goal within the pandemic response just a little bit more? For us, we lead emergency support function eight for the uh, U.S. government when there's a declared public health emergency. In particular, I have eight priority areas to foster the development of new technologies in disaster settings. But ASPR's goal, I would say, is to lead the nation in in the response effort to COVID-19 in coordination with all the other players that you've seen involved in this to include FEMA, the Department of Defense, all elements within HHS to include the CDC, the NIH, and others. This has truly been a whole of government experience and approach led at a national level by various entities, whether or not it's the COVID task force out of the White House or the Unified Command Group out of FEMA. There are many COVID-19 related collaborative efforts happening across government right now. You highlighted DOD. Could you talk a little bit more about ASPR's innovation efforts within those partnerships across government? Absolutely. Before the pandemic hit, we started the RAPID Consortium, which is basically focused on rapid aseptic packaging and aseptic injectable packaging to deliver vaccine administration devices at population scale. We're looking at it as a you know, three to five year effort uh, to greenfield some of those activities and bring that production onshore to the U.S. And the pandemic hit, of course, and we were able to work with our Department of Defense partners to basically do what we called the jumpstart as part of that, to take our three to five year plan 
and shrink it down into six months. And I'm very proud to say that our first production line is up and running and being qualified as of last week. Within your next program, you know, the agency has these eight priority areas and you work closely on those to foster, like you said, the development of new technologies and products in disaster settings. Could you explain more about what those areas are and how exactly they contribute to advancing and improving American healthcare during this time? Yeah, sure. So I'll kind of run through them. We have the priority medicines on demand, area of interest, the dialysis care and disaster settings is another one, medical countermeasure deployment and dispensing, real-time healthcare system capacity reporting, disaster response and recovery intelligence, advanced medical interventions, telehealth applications for response and recovery, and health and security innovation. And I just wanted to focus in on, you know, the first two really that I mentioned here, you know, the Priority Medicines on Demand program is really focused on the development of producing essential products quickly in a location where they would be needed rather than being manufactured on the other side of the world and shipped just in time during a disaster and really kind of shifting the paradigm from this just-in-time supply to a highly distributed, resilient manufacturing capacity that can be switched on and off as needed. And we're really excited about our collaboration with DARPA and what we're doing to produce critical ICU medications that are in shortage right now with a new synthetic chemistry platform. And um, we have some efforts underway for supportive care fluids, and we'll be making announcements about other active pharmaceutical ingredient manufacturing. So how exactly has your agency adapted to the challenges brought forth by COVID-19? In this respect, transit and borders closed, right? So commercial transport was not available and there was a very limited movement of, you know, key starting materials, active pharmaceutical ingredients and final dose form drugs. So this is a paradigm shift in manufacturing that will allow us to onshore that capability, uh, re-onshore that capability in a new way that sets the nation apart and reduces the global supply chain reliance that the U.S. currently has. I think it's interesting how you went to mention the synthetic chemistry activity. Do you want to talk more about that? Absolutely. So it's a shift from batch manufacturing which is a um, kind of what I'll call a very robust process that requires months to reconfigure to a continuous flow chemistry process that allows us to adjust synthetic pathway and final end product without having to change out an entire factory floor. It's highly adaptable and it allows us to still produce things not quite at the scale as batch manufacturing. But if you do it in a distributed fashion, you can actually outpace batch manufacturing and not require months to reconfigure a factory every time you're looking to make a new drug. Where does technology fit into this or emerging technologies, I should say? A lot of the effort or a lot of agencies are now focused on automating processes and shortening the time frame of certain activities, especially when it comes to a COVID-19 vaccine. Where do you see emerging technologies playing a role in these efforts? I see it as twofold. Um, one is I see it as changing the, the manufacturing paradigm to one that won't be as vulnerable to foreign pricing competition in the future. 
And I also see it as a regulatory shift in how we report and how we basically look at conformance to CGMP standards and how we can provide access to the regulators where now we're monitoring process in real time and that data can be provided at any moment as these new materials are being made in these platforms, which I think completely changes the paradigm from compliance and inspection to a more comprehensive partnership with you know, the FDA, that they can have that assurance that these new materials are being produced in compliance with CGMP standards and that the end products are safe and effective. And I really think it changes that paradigm a bit. Yeah, I think the need for real-time data is very important. You know, FDA, when it comes to monitoring the safety of the manufacturing practices of drug and pharmaceutical companies, they need that data in order to ensure that the public is kept safe. So that's really awesome. Earlier this year, the agency launched the nation's first foundry for American biotechnology in New Hampshire through a public-private partnership with the Advanced Regenerative Manufacturing Institute. Could you describe what the main goal is and has it supported the current COVID-19 pandemic so far? Yeah, it absolutely has. So this is a public-private partnership and it's a consortium of basically private sector partners and right now HHS and by extension of our MOA with DARPA, some of the DOD, to basically look at you know attracting additional products and technologies that could eventually become commercialized and build resiliency. So within that, we have representatives from industrial, pharmaceutical, and automation sectors, and we're creating kind of this new validation pathway and approach for, again, CGMP production of pharmaceuticals in devices rather than in factories. The other thing that we've been doing as part of the COVID response is, you know, we've been developing a new nanomaterial coating for PPE that will make them self-sanitizing and reusable to a degree. So basically, it uh, we've gotten the safety data back and everything's past safety. We have the efficacy data that we've run against live COVID virus and a BL3. And we show that this is a very effective platform. And we're going to be submitting our EUA package to the FDA very shortly. Again, looking at things like gowns and masks and how we could kind of change, you know, the use and reuse paradigm of those so that, you know, we don't have to use as much PPE to do the same job in a clinic. Have you seen technology that's already come into play when it comes to the reuse of PPE in medical care settings? Of course, of course. We, you know, our DOD partners have fielded that technology. And to my knowledge, it's been employed for the sanitization of N95s and other PPE that uh, hospital systems are using. There are a number of different efforts in this space. And really, for us, we felt compelled to try and find a solution, particularly at a time, you, you have to remember that this was kind of the April, May timeframe where all of this was an extreme shortage. And you know we wanted to sprint to do whatever we could to extend the supply of what we had. And this is just one of many efforts. I guess outside of COVID-19, are there other emerging technology solutions Asper is working to advance that you'd like to highlight? Absolutely. So I'm going to talk about this in context of natural disasters, but it also is helping, surprisingly, COVID patients. So you know, we learned during recent disasters like Hurricane Maria that disruptions in kidney care can present serious risks. 
And in response to that, we launched what we call the Asper Dialysis Care Program, which dovetailed into, we have a small part of the Advancing American Kidney Health Initiative that was launched last year. Basically, we're deploying these portable dialysis technologies that make their own dialysate from tap water, have intuitive interfaces, and run off of enough power to basically the same amount of power that a hairdryer would use, right? To avail dialysis care near disaster settings or in clinics and buildings of opportunity to support these populations so we don't have to, you know, kind of move these patients that are going through a lot far away from their families and be able to provide them a higher level of care. What we found out too that, you know, kind of as the COVID-19 crisis unfolded, we found out that 30% of COVID-19 patients in the ICU experienced an acute kidney injury. Um, It's average across the country. The numbers vary, but on average, 30% of these patients experience acute kidney injury, leading to severe complications that they need kind of continuous renal replacement therapy or dialysis for an extended period of time. And we were able to take these portable dialysis technologies that we were looking at through the disaster lens and basically avail them to these COVID patients in the ICU to a lot of success. Uh, We're in 10 healthcare systems right now. We're expanding our footprint into more healthcare systems. We just got an additional request from Region 9 to deploy that technology and are working to do so. Wow, that's incredible. Are you guys partnered with the Office of the Chief Technology Officer within HHS as well? Yeah, we absolutely are. And uh, I was happy to be a Kidney X judge and, you know, kind of help advance uh, some of those technologies and work with the CTO office on that initiative. And uh, it's just been a great relationship. And again, it's our small part and our small contribution to the greater Advancing American Kidney Health Initiative that HHS has undertaken, but one that we see a tremendous partnership with CTO and the Office of the Assistant Secretary of Health. What we're trying to demonstrate here is that this technology can be used in a variety of settings, right? You know, that could be a patient's home. That could be a different version of an outpatient clinic. It could be, you know, kind of a corner store pharmacy type situation. There's a number of ways that this type of treatment could be provided to folks. And we just wanted, you know, again, to have something that would be able to treat people better during disasters, but with the lens that this could demonstrate the utility of this sort of platform technology for dialysis care in other settings. The COVID-19 pandemic is very wide reaching. It accelerated the digital, I guess, movement, right? I mean, people are now relying on technology more so than they were before when it comes to receiving healthcare, such as with telehealth, and also providing education through virtual learning settings. And these are all, these solutions all come with their challenges. What would you say is the biggest challenge to accomplishing the adoption of emerging technology that you're pushing at Asper today? I would say time is our biggest obstacle. You know, we're responding to this pandemic right now. The next disaster is around the corner. And really, we need to continue to operate with a sense of urgency to ensure that these solutions are in place as quickly as possible, not just to alleviate what's going on with this current crisis, but again, for the next one. And what are you most looking forward to seeing in the next coming months? I'm really looking forward to the build out of the new program executive office, but um, really more importantly, seeing the work that we put into the development of these new therapeutic vaccine and other, you know, PPE solutions come to fruition. 
you know, we're also really looking forward to see kind of what we're approached with. Industry has been very responsive throughout this crisis, and there are ways that we can advance our mission that we're learning about every day. And how can people get involved with your office's efforts? Yeah, so right now we are standing up our landing page because we're a brand new entity. Um, but um, I would say those willing to get involved with us should send us a note to Asper Innovation, all one word, at hhs.gov. And honestly, the best way to work with us is to come with a new idea. I like that. Joe Hamill, it was great speaking with you today and learning about your office's work to protect people from this health security threat. Honored to be here and uh, great talking with you today. And really, if I leave you with anything, you know, it would be that we need to focus not only on ensuring that we have an enduring and resilient industrial base to respond to these disasters, but we need to focus on innovation that can help us change the calculus and be able to save more lives in the future for every response. So again, thanks for having me on today. HealthCast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, head to governmentciomedia.com slash podcasts. If you liked what you heard, let us know by leaving a review in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. HealthCast is produced by Amy Kluber, hosted by Melissa Harris, Adam Patterson, and Faith Bryan. If you're interested in sponsoring a podcast, contact us at sponsor at governmentcio.com.